my best friend and trusted colleague. Steve. Can I count on your help? Ken. There grew a tree, and a fine, fine tree was he. And on that tree there was a limb, and on that limb there was a branch, and on that branch there was a nest, and in that nest there was an egg, in that egg there was a bird, and on that bird a feather came, and all that never was a Hello there, folks. Uh, welcome uh, to another episode of Dude and a Monkey. It is episode 39, and uh, I'm steering the ship this week. It's uh, Ian, and uh, as always, joined by... Mark, hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we got... Uh, a, a, it should be a good one tonight, actually. I don't know why I'm, I'm sounding a bit out of sorts. I'm, I'm not, so that's weird, but it's been a bit of a stop-starty start, but never mind. Uh, so, we're going to be reviewing uh, main review of the week. Fuck Captain Phillips and all its five-out-of-fiveness. We're going to review Escape Plan, starring... Damn right we are. Yeah, which which uh, should come as no surprise, starring Sylvester Stallone and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, we'll also do some One Old, One New. Uh, we'll talk about some trailers, and we will uh, continue the Night Marathon on Elm Street series as we take a look at Part 5, The Dream Child, and Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Uh, you can email us, dudeandamonkey at gmail.com. You can tweet us at dudeandamonkey or tweet uh, myself and Mark individually uh, at Ian Loring or at DudeFoz, respectively. Um, Mark, have you got anything to uh, say before we get into it, sir? Uh, nothing to say before we get into it other than um, Escape Plan. We did actually have a few people actually sort of request almost um, that we review that, um, which... Didn't really sway our decision because I think we we're always going to review this, but uh, it, you know it's nice that people are kind of going. You will be reviewing Escape Plan. It's like, of, of course you will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll say for the record, I'm pretty sure we're doing Captain Phillips on 35 millimeter Heroes this week, so you'll hear my thoughts on that then. I will say uh, Captain Phillips is great. It is. It is fantastic. As yeah. As I mean, expected. I, I, I was, I, I was, you know, very much looking forward to catching Captain Phillips and I will be catching it, but I think Escape Plan's a little bit more... It, it's more than the monkey, for it sure. It really is, isn't it, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into that, but um, first off, we'll uh, warm up with a bit of uh, trailers. So, Mark, uh, why don't you tell the good people what you've been uh, watching in terms of trailers this week? Uh, some bad, some some good. Um, I'll start with a few of the good ones. Um... Saw the trailer for uh, the January Jones woman revenge movie Sweetwater, uh, which I think did quite well at Sundance, went down very well there. Um, also stars Ed Harris, and you've got Jason Isaacs in there as well. Um, looks like I say, like a good kind of western themed woman revenge film, uh, like the look of it. Um, also, uh, the trailer for that awkward moment, which doesn't look great, but it features. Um, Zephron without his shirt on taking a piss with an erection. So, um, do you know what? I'm fucking all aboard that train, uh, with that one. Uh, the 
Grand Budapest Hotel, which I'm going to let you talk about a little bit, because I think you're more impressed with the uh, trailer than I am. Um, still think it looks very good, don't get me wrong, but um, I'm not as in love with um, the uh, the constant Wes Anderson palette that he has, so I'm, I'm going to pass over to you a little bit on this one. Uh, yeah, sure. I um, Yeah, man, I... I, I'm not a massive, massive Wes Anderson fan, but like the way I talk about him, I, I kind of sound like I am. I really, really like Moonrise Kingdom, and I think yeah, it, it, it's very much if you don't, if you're not into, I, if you don't like a particular film of his, I don't think I'm going to argue you. Otherwise, I'm just going to argue my point. You know, uh, like I'm not massive on the Dar- Dar- Darjeeling Limited at all. I found that a a, 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 a clanging piece of work to try and get through. Um, but I, uh, yeah, in terms of the Grand Budapest Hotel, I'm very, very much up for it, even even if part of that is just the kind of the technicalness of it, the fact that it's three different aspect ratios for each different time period the film covers, fr- frankly, gets me a bit hard. You know, um, I mean, well, obviously not actually gets me, you know what I mean. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think Ray Fiennes looks like he's going to be very, very funny in it. Um, yeah, he very much does, yeah. Yeah, I, like, he looks like he's going to be a riot. Um, the, the ensemble cast, generally, I think looks pretty solid. Um, I think it could be a good transi- uh, transition role for uh, Saoirse Ronan as well. Uh, and, it, it, yeah, in all, I um, it, it, it just looks very, very fun to me. I did watch it after I came home from the works pub uh, pub quiz where I was really quite drunk so um, maybe part of it was that but yeah I, I was a big fan personally mm. um, so I mean yeah, that's the, the sort of the, the good of the trailers that has been out this week um, I also watched the trailer for the new Paranormal Activity film which is I don't know Paranormal Activity 15 or whatever up to now um, and it's 2 minutes 36 seconds and I didn't even make it all the way through without being incredibly bored um, so I, I watched half of that trailer before turning it off and that was just the trailer um, I will have to admit I, I don't get the obsession with the Paranormal Activity movies um, I, I just find them incredibly dull and have struggled to I watched the first two, I haven't watched number three admittedly uh, is, is this the fourth or is it the fifth? It's the f- Fifth, yeah, there was Paranormal Fifth. Activity Four was last year, um, which it's it's weird. Paranormal Activity for me, I like the first one, really didn't like. Well, I didn't like the second one. I like the third one. I didn't like the fourth one. It's it's. So you, you should like this one then. Yeah, yeah, hopefully so. Even though there's two Paranormal Activity films next year, there's this uh, right at the start of January. In and, January, yeah. And then there's Paranormal Activity Five in the usual October slot. So it's. Oh. Um, yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm wondering if they're just kind of trying to milk the cow while, while they still can. Yeah, a bit like they did with Saw. Yeah, because I mean, the, the, the problem with Paranormal Activity 4 was that it kind of was a re, like, just doing pretty much the same thing. I mean, the, the last 10 minutes are virtually exactly the same as Paranormal Activity 3. Uh, it's, I mean, like, brutally similar. Um, but it just, there was a sense that they had a mythology there, and then in four they were just coasting. And it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this one because they are bringing in. Ele- I, I was kind of surprised because they said it was going to be a spin-off. I was kind of surprised when the um, the connection to a character in the first one turned up in the trailer. Um, but 
I, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll watch it. But then, it, I, I mean, I, fuck, I went to the cinema to watch The Devil Inside, so I'm just an idiot, you know. Uh, yeah, it, it, I, like I say, I, I have just zero interest in them at all. Um, and I really will watch anything. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I couldn't make it to a trailer. Uh, another trailer which I did make it through, but was so incredibly bored, um, was the Hercules the Legend Begins, um, which literally looks like the filmmakers sat down with Gladiator and a notebook and just went, yeah, 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 right, there we go, and then watched 300 and just went, yeah, 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 right, right, right. Hercules, and these two movies, how can it fail? Well, for a start off, you've cast Taylor Kitsch, that's how it's going to fail straight away. Um, and it, it, have you seen the trailer for that, Hercules Legend Begins? It's not Taylor Kitsch, is it? Is it, not, is, is it? is it? No, which one is it? It's one of them. One, it's one of the poison ones, isn't it? Poison? Yeah, there's, there's a few acts at the moment who just... Oh, right, just sorry, I thought you were uh, poison was a I thought it was the guy who replaced the guy who died in Spartacus. It might have been that guy then. Um, let me have a look. Shows how much attention I was actually paying. Oh no, fucking hell. Alright, then it's Kellen, Kellen... Kellen Lutz, that's it. Yeah, him. What was it? He's been in some recently, hasn't he? He was in the Twilight films. Is it that? Yeah. He's in... He does a TV series of some description, doesn't he? Does he? Uh, yeah, I'm sure he He was he in does. 90210, apparently, for a season. Because there's, there's, like, there's, there's two coming out, isn't that, Hercules movies? Yeah, there's, there's the Ratner Dwayne one. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, isn't it? Which, which you know, that, you know that's going to be entertaining because it's got The Rock in it. I'm mortal, that was it. That was the one he did. Uh, the Callum Lutz, what guy? Okay. He was in Immortal, uh, Immortals, and that was just terrible. Um, but yeah, it, it was, I mean, that... It's like, have you seen the Hercules trailer? Yeah, it's the most derivative-looking thing I think I've ever seen. It's 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 like it's a parody. It is, isn't it? I mean, it, it, you are watching it going, but it is literally like they've just gone. Has anyone got the uh, CG graphics from Gladiator? Yeah, and we've still got them for three hundred. Yeah, well, can we just do that and just put like a bit of new soundtrack behind it? Yeah. That'll work, right? I mean, it, it, it is literally as if someone smushed 300 and got Those are the exact yeah. films I, I had in mind as well. It's it's brutal. I cannot... Be- and this costs $70 million, according to IMDb. I mean, it is... It, if you've got that, and that's going to be going up against a Dwayne Johnson version of the same story... The thing is, I mean, really, seriously, which who's going to watch which? The thing is, I, I I can see where Millennium Films are coming from here, though, because they also did Olympus Has Fallen, which mm. was basically rushed into production when they heard about White House Down, uh, and, and you know, Olympus Has Fallen, I'm pretty sure took more than White House Down. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it did. Um, I'll have a check. I'm, I'm pretty so sure it, it did. It's almost like they're running along the same. It's like they're the asylum, but they actually get stuff for the big screen with big names. Well, Olympus has fallen, cost seventy million and made one hundred sixty-one million, um, which you know is that, that's that's all right. You know, you, that's, that's, it's turned a profit. And that, yeah, you factor in ancillaries and everyone. Yeah, that's money. before yeah. you've got um, what is it as well? Um, before you've got home video, etc. Um, and White House Down cost double that. 
150 million and just rated just over 200 million. Mm. You know, so that officially will be technically classed as a bomb. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the big bombs of the year is White House Down. It's like that Arthur Earth and the Lone Ranger and R.I.P.D. Actually, I think in terms of like gross to budget ratio, I think R.I.P.D. actually, oh, it, it, you know, it is. Yeah, it is. It's killed everything. Yeah, but I mean, it's I don't know. It this the thing is, I mean, Christ, it's I mean, it's Rennie Harlan. I mean, his last film was the Dyatlov Pass incident, which barely got a screening at Fright Fest. You know, I mean, like this. This is not the Rennie Harlan who did what, like, the long kiss good night or or um or deep blue sea. You know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, cliffhanger. I mean, like, I spoke about him a couple of weeks ago. On the well, we directed Dream Master. We spoke about him last week. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Dyad, yeah. Dyad too. You know, he he was a you know not a great director, but he was an entertaining director. You know, he, he could churn out you know a throwaway entertainment movie. Now he just can't. I, I, you know, and I mean, Hercules Legend Begins just looks so meh. I, I, I genuinely, I doubt I'll even watch it. I, 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 I would literally just go. Do you know what? I'll just wait for the the Dwayne Johnson one to come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I. Unless the buzz ends up coming out that it's a, it's. Uh, average Joe grabbing trailer and it's a fucking really fun film. You know, you never know. Might be. But I have a feeling that it's going to be two and a half hours and just dull as fuck. Yeah, totally. I, cool. Yeah, uh, no, I have nothing to add. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, that's, that's all I've watched trailer-wise uh, this week. There was... That, they were all... What is it? There was nothing kind of new in terms of uh, when I went to see Escape Plan. There was nothing that jumped out and grabbed me there. It was just the, the sort of same trailers that I've seen recently, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw kind of an extended trailer thingy, sneak peek thingy of Secret Life of Walter Mitty um, before Captain Phillips, which I, 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 I will say, I it does look overly sentimental. And the complaints people have had in reviews of that film about product placement, you can see it in the trailers, but... I'm actually kind of looking forward to uh, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. It looks like it's going to be very much heart on its sleeve, but I think it looks really nice. And I, you know, I, cinematography is not the easiest thing in the, in the world to get right, frankly. And I, I think it, this looks like it's got a lovely look to it. And I also laughed. I, w- I will say there's something, there's a thing in this extended trailer thing about him jumping out of a helicopter, which I laughed at. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm rather up for that, but I've got a feeling, given it's coming out on Boxing Day, and I want to see American Hustle and Anchorman 2 more than that, mm. uh, I think it's, I think I'm probably gonna have to let it slip by me in the cinema, which is a shame, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but yeah, that, that was about it for the trailers I saw as well. Um, I'm very much looking forward to Grand Budapest Hotel, um, and yeah, I think that was about it. Yep, cool. Cool. So, um, all right then, let's move on. <clears throat> we'll have a clip from, or trailer, whatever, from uh, Escape Plan, and we will then get straight into that. Ten seconds. Where's Victor Mannheim? You know, to many people, he's a hero. Nine seconds. Do you have a pencil and a piece of paper? Eight seconds. I could draw your map. 
kid, I always wanted to be an artist. Oh Problem was, I had no talent. Six seconds. I tried, and I tried, and I tried. Five. You have dreams. Four. What did you always want to be? This. Two. One. Done. Yeah. I told you. No talent. Okay, so that uh, was Escape Plan, which is our main review for the week, uh, directed by uh, Mikhail Halfstrom, who last brought us the film in which Anthony Hopkins exercised the pillow, uh, the right. Uh, I will always remember it for that, though. Um, but yeah. which, 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 is, which is strange because it rhymes with the shite mm. Mm. which isn't a which pun is... I actually heard that much when the film came out so fair play um, but yeah <laughs> this um, god yeah Donna and I went actually went to see that in the cinema Jesus um, but anyway yeah uh, Escape Plan stars Sylvester Stallone Arnold Schwarzenegger Amy Ryan 50 Cent uh, Vincent D'Onofrio and his hand sanitizer and Vinnie Jones oh and Jim Caviezel yeah. uh, and and there's somebody else that just appeared that I didn't know was in it. Sam Neill appears, right? Oh, he? God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What the I, I, I had no idea Sam Neill and Vinnie Jones were in this. Yeah. Um, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> it is a little bit the gift that keeps on giving his escape plan. Yeah. So, um, yeah, our story is um, Sylvester Stallone is a man. Ray Breslin. Did you look that up or did you know that? I knew that. Good for you. I know Schwarzenegger's surname in it. Um, but yeah, he plays Ray Breslin, who um, is a man who works alongside Vincent D'Onofrio in a company where they he gets himself pl- placed into prisons to see if he can break out of them to test whether the maximum pr- uh, security prisons can actually keep their inmates in. Uh, he's offered a... a big payday from the CIA uh, to test out a prison, uh, but a load of stuff goes wrong, things turn out to not be what he thought they were going to be, and he has to escape uh, a prison based on his own theoretical designs. He teams up with a, a rather interested inmate, uh, Rottmeyer, played by uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and together they try and get an escape plan. Mark, what did you think of escape plan? Well, remember, um, people, we are all spoilers all of the time. And surprisingly, there are a couple of things to spoil in this film. Yes, there are. Even, uh, even though you can, you can guess them while watching them re- very, very easily, but yes. Uh, there, there's, there's one that I think you're referring to that will come to later on, and I didn't. Character or place? Character. Oh, what the fuck, really? I know, I know. Um, and usually I get these things by accident. Uh, but no, it, 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 as soon as it happened, I thought, oh, fuck. I think I, I think I was just that along with the ride. Now the thing is, is escape plan, and I said this last week on the podcast. It is like they sat down and uh, with a picture of me and went, "We want to make a movie for this guy, <laughs> this exact person." And so having it like this, set like this, set where it's set, prison drama uh, with Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I remember all spoilers all the time on a big boat. Fuck it, yeah, that's exactly everything I need in a film. Um, so my worry a little bit going to Escape Plan was that I was going to like it. 
always going to like it. There was never a chance I wasn't going to like it unless they were lying to me and these two people weren't actually in it. <laughs> um, but my worry was that I'd like it and I'd constantly be saying to people, it's brilliant. And loads of people would be saying to me, no, well, it was shit. And me going, look, I loved it. I don't care. Escape Plan is actually a really good film. It's a proper entertaining Saturday night, you know, 10 o'clock with a couple of beers and a pizza. The missus is out. I want to watch something that's really entertaining. Can I keep me entertained for just under two hours? Bang. There you go. It's got a proper plot that's not too confused in itself and it ends up tying itself in knots. It's pretty straightforward. Stallone gets placed in this prison and then he has to try and break out. It's all not all what it seems it is. There's double crossing. Uh, there's a bastard warden and he has to try and escape. You know what's going to happen at the start and you know where we're going to get to in the end. It's just how much fun the ride is through it all. And it's a lot of fun. Um, there's your standard kind of throwaway little one-liner jokes between Stallone and Schwarzenegger. There's a good amount of action. There's a good amount of mocking, but it doesn't go too far into the, oh, we're too old for this shit kind of thing. And, you know, both of them look still pretty fucking badass. They look like they've been the toughest motherfuckers there. Um, The only sort of thing that I would say is a slight misstep is casting Vinnie Jones. But casting Vinnie Jones in anything is a slight misstep because... No matter how much people will say it, he's fucking terrible. I mean, the, the weird thing about him as well is that he doesn't exactly have an awful lot to do in this. He is no, literally, he, he just... That's why. Yeah, he just be, likes beating the shit out of people, and that's all there is to him. I mean, I'm not, ex- I'm not saying I want Vinnie Jones to go on a, like, It's a Wonderful Life-esque journey through life. But oh, can you imagine that? Can you imagine, can you imagine V. Jones doing, doing It's a Wonderful Life? Well, no, I don't want to either. But, oh, um, I, I, I have, I have in my brain and it's horrible. Of course, of course it's horrible. He's Vinnie Jones. I mean, that, it, I mean, that, it kind of is what it is. I mean, like, this is, I mean, this is the level of film that casts Vinnie Jones as, as a bad guy, you know. Um, I mean, I, I very much enjoyed Escape Plan. You know, I, I had a great deal of fun with it. I don't think I liked it quite as much as you, because it, it sounds like you're on the verge of calling it one of the films of the year. Um, but, um, <laughs> Eight knocking on the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> but go, I mean, and good on you for it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was very, very impressed with Schwarzenegger in this. Very impressed, actually. He's very good. Isn't yeah, he? he's, he's, he, he is. And frankly, if he could be in a film speaking German for the entire thing, I think people would actually give him a lot of credit because, um, that's, it, it, it's, that always takes me back. I think I mentioned it before when we talked about, uh, The Last Stand to, uh, an anecdote that, um, Kevin Smith always often sort of churns out was that he, he was once sat at a dinner table uh, and he could hear a guy speaking German behind him and nobody on his table, the table that Kevin Smith was on, was talking because they were all just listening to this German guy who was sat behind oh, him. Oh, that's right. And yeah. then at, at one point he turned around to see who it was because he was just captivating and it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm. And he was like, holy fuck, you know, it, 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 even in, you know, in his native tongue, he's even more captivated. And he is, he's a charismatic bastard, mm. is Schwarzenegger. And he's, he's, uh, he's ultra charismatic in this. You know, he looks, you know, for a guy in his mid-late 60s, he looks incredible. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he's embracing his age a bit as well with the, with the, the very much grey hair. Um, it, it just, he, 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's all he is very very good in this, and I mean, like the, the film indulges you like in in what you want to see from him. I mean, the uh, especially like there's not many other acts. Like, if this was any other actor, there's no way that him picking up a gun bit would have been slow motion oh, sixty around. Oh, yeah, which is which is amazing and got a lot of applause. A lot of yeah in my screening. At one moment, actually got applause, like straight up applause from more than one person. Uh, oh, the, the um the say cheese moment. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was brilliant. Like, the the look on Schwarzenegger's face then. I mean, like the thing is, he's just having fun here. Um, yeah, they both are. I I I I kind of think Stallone is. I mean, the thing is with Stallone, he's always got to. Like, pretty much everyone, maybe not bullets to the head, and I kind of think it might have been the Walter Hill thing, uh, like, kind of um, uh, influence doing it. But, like, Stallone, he's always got to have the kind of the slightly flirty thing with the with the female co-star, despite the fact they never actually get together, you know. He had that with Expendables and Expendables 2, and he's got that here with Amy Ryan, Ryan and it's kind of brutal. And he just... He seems a bit sleepy, even though that kind of is just what he Come is. On. Yeah. But um, it, it's, I don't know, I thought Schwarzenegger was more into it than Stallone, and yet Schwarzenegger was very much the co-lead here. Yeah, I, I think part of it is, is is what you've got here is, I mean, Stallone is, is a slightly more serious guy, I think, than, than Schwarzenegger. I think Stallone... Yeah, he he's very much um, enjoying his current sort of renaissance. Sure. Um, whereas Schwarzenegger, his his taking a backseat from acting was to go and do something else. And I think he's very much. I don't think Schwarzenegger is interested that much in being a lead anymore. I think he's very much. I don't think he'd even be in this if it wasn't his mate. I think he he will just make movies now that contain, you know, his mates. Yeah. I, I, and, and made by his friends. And for this, this is him, you know, I, I'm not saying that he's an interest in the film. I'm, I think he looks at the film and went, yeah, I like it. I like the sound of it. And do you know what? I get to hang out with, one, with my best friend for three, four months. Yeah, straight up. And I mean, that, and that, that, that's absolutely fine. It's just, I, I do, I, I do kind of think, I, I just wish Stallone was a bit more engaged in it. And I, I think that, with, I mean, with bullets to the head, it kind of fit the kind of the the the, the southern. With bullets to the head, bullets to the head was a was an early nineties, late eighties um, action film made in two thousand twelve. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even with a director who whose hate yeah, it was the eighties, you know. I mean, it it, it was, oh. and and this is a different thing. I just I don't know. I I wasn't I wasn't as into. I mean, it was fine. I just I I. I do think Schwarzenegger very much stood out above him, and that's absolutely fine because Schwarzenegger's awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I mean, the the action is fun. Um, the the I mean, the, the plot gets a little bit wrapped up in it. it I, I mean, it, 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 there's a bit too much going on, I think, in in the narrative. Frankly, um, you know, like the what you know why is Schwarzenegger so interested uh Amy Ryan and 50 Cent trying to find like Sylvester Stallone and doing a really shit job at it um you know because <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden they can't find anything and then within like 
just 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 from searching on what would appear to be Google, uh, Fifty Cent seems to know pretty much everything. Yeah, and has yeah. schematics of the building. That was a little bit like what? <laughs> yeah, straight up. How, how secret is this? And it's also like, how did you not know about this before? You know, it, yeah. it's just like they're in that business. You'd think they'd know about it. It just. Yeah, I mean, it, but I mean, like, I don't know, the evil warden, his machinations, and like Vincent D'Onofrio's character, it just, I, and I mean, the thing is, the film is, I think it is a little bit too long. I think it, you know, I, I know they have to have it, but the bit where, like, Sylvester Stallone loses all hope and whatnot, I, I could have, yeah. I could have done with a little bit, get to the fucking monkey. You know? It was, it, I, I would agree, it, it, it's, it's just under two hours long, this. Um, and really, it's a it's a ninety or this film should be between ninety minutes and a hundred minutes. Yeah, I mean a hundred minutes and and great. And I mean like the final act is pacey as fuck and it races along. You know, you know, it, it does kind of it, it, it catches you up in it quite. Like, yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. I think yeah, uh, no, I think that's fair. I just remember specifically in the second act being a bit where 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 is this it, going? Yeah, because because I think yeah I agree with that. You know where they are, and you know that they've got to get out, and it spends too much time in between the the breakout and the the knowing what's going on. It, it, it does sit a little bit too long in that. Whereas you know, I think, it, like you say, it could have been a bit punchier in that bit a little bit. But I mean, there's like I said, there are some great moments. I mean, the bit where the doors open to so the because the, the solitary confinement in these places, uh, on this, this super prison that's been built, is essentially a steel box with you know, a wall of lights, mm. and it just ricochets light and heat around. And then when the door swings open and you've got Sam Neill stood there as a doctor, I was like, what, yeah. what the fuck? Sam Neill? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, I don't know, it's a bit depressing that Sam Neill is now doing... That you know, he's, 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 he's in that role in a, in a Hollywood film. Yeah, I mean, well, you, I mean, but then it, it seems like the sort of thing where you know you wouldn't be surprised if Sam Neill is good friends with Schwarzenegger or good friends with um, Stallone, and he's gone. Do you fancy you know a week's worth of work? Yeah, yeah. Why I've got this part. Oh, uh, yeah. Why not? Fuck it. Yeah. You know, because he doesn't he doesn't do a lot nowadays, Sam Neill, does he? You know, he's no, but I mean, it's it, I mean, it's just a, a bit of a shame, really, because he was in this um, film of Willem Dafoe last year, The Hunter, which um, he was really good in. Oh, he's, he's yes, he's, he was, he's very good in that, yeah. You know, and um, it's just um, it, it's I, I don't know, it's just a shame. It, that... it, 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 well, it, I, I was I was you know, because I wasn't when it, when you find out when you I saw Billy Jones and thought shit is that Billy Jones? I wasn't surprised. You know, I was like, oh, that, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. Stuff, but I don't see him much more. Yeah, yeah. And I saw him far too much more. Um, and then uh, when I saw Sam Neill, I was very much like, what the fuck, Sam Neill in this? Wow. <laughs> that came out of the fucking blue. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's a similar thing with Vincent D'Onofrio. You know, he's... You kind of you don't expect to see him in this kind of film, but then you you kind of do expect him to see him in this kind of film. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I just I don't know. I don't know like, uh, Jim Caviezel was was solidly creepy. Yeah, just like sinister as as, yeah. as the bad guy. Good for him, you know. Um, 
his, his, his moment where just before he gets his comeuppance is great. Well, he just goes that, like, hmm. Because <laughs> what happens, he realizes what happens is exactly what Stallone tells him is going to happen. Uh, I, I thought that was that was it was very uh, it, it was very knowing of itself. It were it fit well with what had preceded it, and it just kind of it did make you kind of it made me smile, and that's what I want from these type of movies. I want to be kind of have that bit going shit, and they're going to get out, and they're going to get out, uh, 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 and then have that smile moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm just having a look at the box office here and fuck, you know, I mean, it like in the US, it's not even going to do 10 million for the weekend. No, but the, the, the thing is now, this type of movie, I don't think they're making this type of movie for the US market anymore. This movie will play well in, um, in, in the Asian market and it'll play well in Russia. Because Schwarzenegger still sells in the Asian market. Yeah, I, I, I ser- yeah, no, I mean, I, I certainly hope so. It's just that that's that's kind of surprising. Even though then again, I mean, Christ, the Carry remake didn't even do twenty million this weekend. So, yeah. I mean, Gravity is literally every is just um, money is just gravitating all hard to that. That's, a, that's fucked up. I mean, yeah, I mean, sorry to get away from Escape Plan, but we we tend to talk about box office sometimes. But I mean, Jesus Christ, third weekend that it's still it's still done over thirty million. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it's pulled in, what is it, uh, close to 150 million in the States alone? It's 100, 171. Uh, 171? Yeah. Holy hell's tits. That's, for a movie of its kind, that's incredible. I, they reckon it's going to do like 300 million in the, in the US this year, and that, I mean, that's going to be, that's gonna, in, in terms of domestic box office, that's going to be more than most of the summer blockbusters. I mean, that's... Incredible. That, that, that means, I mean, they should be looking at 500 million gross worldwide on that yeah yeah i mean the, the budget was like 120 or something so good for them yeah well yeah, I mean, as long as it's a you know i mean all all signs point to yes with it um you know as long as it's a great film you know i mean even if it's a shit film you know all power if things are made money that's fucking great i'm all for it you know any money going to cinema if it doesn't go to adam sandler's pocket is good money in my in my book yeah no absolutely um yeah, no, no, absolutely. But I mean, I, so yeah, I mean, getting back to Escape Plan, I don't know, it just, it, it, it just feels like an old school fun time that will have a life for decades on Netflix. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's, it's the perfect. Fucking, I don't, want, I don't want to, I don't want to watch. I've had a shit day at work, and I just want to, I just want to unwind. I want to switch off for two hours. You know, I have something to eat, I've got a beers. Oh, escape plan. Bang. There you go. You know, it doesn't matter if you kind of drift, you know, if you kind of switch off for 10 minutes because you're not going to really fucking lose the thread of it. It's just fun, entertaining. It, it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger and a Sylvester Stallone movie. It does exactly what it says in the tin. It's called Escape Plan. Yeah. They escape prison. Yeah, I mean that, that, that that's yeah. I mean it, it is does what it says on the tin, but that's almost like damning with fame praise or something. I mean it, it does it well enough. It does. It, it, it's it's entertaining throughout. It has maybe a, a, a ten minute period in a near two hour movie where you go, all right, we're up a little bit. Um, but you know you can have a movie that's two hours long and is magnificent, and it could still have a ten minute period where you go. Yeah, all right, come on then. Spare comment. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but yeah, but the the the, uh, the big reveal at the end about Schwarzenegger's character. No, I, I I I'll be honest, 
it caught me off guard. I didn't. I I, I hadn't put it together. And I think the reason why I hadn't is because a I wasn't looking for it, and b I, I was just I was taken on by the film. It just it, it I was that interested in what was going on that I wasn't trying to think what might be happening later on. The, the only thing for me was it's this character is mentioned basically by name only, and Schwarzenegger just will not say who he is, and Schwarzenegger has only been there for five months. That was that was how I was just like, right, he hasn't been there that long. This guy's gone missing in what sounds like fairly recently. He's that guy. That that was all there what it was to yeah. it for me. And I was just like but I mean I was just like, yeah, alright, fine. I mean it's not one where it's just like, oh I fucking saw that coming, that was shit. And it, it was just the fact that even though Stallone actually says, Well, I didn't see that one coming you know, which we, we, I don't know, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the thing is, I'd worked out that the the CIA one was his daughter. You see that? I didn't. That I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I caught that, I thought, when he said, I've got a daughter too, I thought, aha! He's not in there to break, to get out, so you can break out the prison. He's in there to break him out. And I, it didn't, I didn't connect both of them. I, I didn't make the connection. Which is, you know, it, it's, it's it, it's for me that's that's well done to the film because it did get me. Yeah, that's, and that might be me being dumb, but I, you know, fuck it. I like I say, I think part of it is because this movie I was always gonna like, but I am very glad the fact that it wasn't it wasn't a film where I come out of it and go, Do you know what, I loved it, but people are gonna hate it. People are gonna be able to give it shit, and I'm not gonna be able to argue like a little bit with bullets to the head. If people give it shit, I won't argue with them. But I loved it. But the thing is... Whereas if people give this shit, I will be able to kind of go a little bit like, well, sorry, it's not trying to be 12 Years a Slave. It's not trying to have an amazing message. It's not trying to be a cinematic masterpiece. It's trying to be switch-off entertainment. And I think it achieves that. Yeah, I mean, if, it works at its aims. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you go into this and you don't, and you don't like it, my question is: Is why did you watch it in the first place? Yeah, that that that's that's a very very good point. So I mean, it's but I mean, it's so I mean, it, it could be, it could be said that well, why did you review it then? Because you're obviously going to like it. It's just like well, well, no, maybe not because it could have been stale. It could have been slow. It could have I mean, like it could have been Expendables too. It could have been them making self-referential jokes throughout the entire thing and yeah, I mean, the thing is, waiting for something to happen. Yeah, if it was if it was just shit, I'd say I would be saying now, look, I enjoyed it because I enjoyed seeing Stallone and Schwarzenegger together for nearly two hours. But this isn't a good film. So you're so you're saying there is no way you could ever not enjoy Schwarzenegger and Stallone on screen together? I think I'd struggle. Yeah. But but what I'm saying is I enjoy seeing them on screen together because the thing is is. There's going to be a point, you know, at some point where they're not going to be able to be on screen together because they're both nearly 70. And it might be in 15, 20 years' time, but, you know, I'm enjoying the fact that this is happening. If you'd said 10 years ago that Schwarzenegger is going to come back into acting and Stallone's going to have a renaissance and they're going to be in films where they're going to be in a position where yearly 
these two guys are going to have a couple of films out in cinemas every year. Ten years ago, you'd have gone, nope, their stars have burnt out. People don't want to see that anymore. It's gone. And I'm just glad that I can still go to the cinema on the same weekend as you've got something like Captain Phillips, which I'm sure is a great film. You see, it's brilliant. I'm very much looking forward to seeing it. But I also like the fact that I can choose to go and see an Arnold Schwarzenegger and a Sylvester Stallone movie. I like that. I'm not saying that they're all going to be great, but I like the fact that I get the opportunity to see these two guys nowadays in a film together. Fair fucking play, mate. That's good for you. That's Yeah, absolutely. I mean, genuinely, absolutely. Was your screening? I, I, I thoroughly expected, I'll be honest, I thoroughly expected, because I went through the 12.50 screening of you, and I thought... I, there's a strong possibility I'm going to be the only motherfucker in this screen. Because I, I haven't seen a single poster, a TV spot or anything, or trailer before another film yeah, yeah. for this at all. And I thought, I'm going to be the only person in this screening. And it was pretty full. Um, mine was, I mean, I'll say, I went to see Captain Phillips at quarter past ten yesterday morning, and there was probably about 30 people in there, which stunned me stunned me is that kind of modern you usually get no yeah exactly I was uh, I was very surprised um escape plan probably had about 30 people in it. it it wasn't it wasn't super busy but it was a it was a very receptive audience I mean like I say the people fucking clapped at one point so you know what? I had yeah it was a great deal of fun though I mean what one thing I, I was, was was very uh, surprised at is Throughout the trailers and everything, my screening was just fucking talking and texting and just being utter twats. And then the minute the film started, nothing. Mm-hmm. Absolute, just, just a really, you know, people reacted at the right moments. And I was like, this is, this is weird because I was thinking, oh god, it's busy. It's just full of chabs. It's going to be horrible. I'm going to be getting really wound up. Not perfect. I, 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 I rarely have problems with people in the cinema. It's just when I do have problems, they're pretty bad. The, the worst problems I've had recently have been more at my art house cinema than at my multiplex, mm. which I'm surprised at. Um, are we done with escape plan? Yeah, definitely not I, shit. I, definitely not shit. Uh, it, it's Not only is it not shit, it's not just pure nostalgia not shit. It's actually a really fun movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I yeah, that that that's that. I have nothing to add. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, good stuff. Uh, that was Escape Plan, and um, we shall take a break for some promos, and then you're gonna hear the trailer for Nightmare on Elm Street Part Five: The Dream Child, and we will then get into that. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. 
it just really it's isn't. not visually striking no it's just, just getting confirmation it's just dealing that's the third time though I mean am I, is this on you can find us at chinstroker versus punter dot podomatic dot com so come and share the victory if you could any man in film who would it be and why my answer is Lance Henriksen oh. he, he wouldn't tell he looks like somebody <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret Hollywood producer Robert Evans. You know, I've made a lot of powerful enemies during my time in Hollywood. Like the time I pushed Steve McQueen in front of a moving car on the set of The Getaway because he was macking on my lady, Allie McGraw. But I've made one great friend, a boffo friend, if you will, since I retired. It's called Show Show, and it's the best fucking movie podcast ever. It's even better than cocaine, which I would know a lot about. Visit Show Show at showshow.podomatic.com or search Show Show, all one word, in the iTunes store. His mother was a God-fearing woman. His birth was an unspeakable horror. Please don't let him do that! His life and death have been one incredible nightmare. But now all that is going to change because Freddy wants to become a daddy. One of his babies. What's wrong with me? Is he just a little pregnant? Even if he has to adopt. No! Do unborn babies dream? When it comes to chills. It happened while I was awake. When it comes to screams. The party just start. When it comes to pure terror. Boom, not the cheat. No one delivers like Freddy. Better buckle up. All right, Kruger. This time it's for capes. A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. It's a boy! When it comes to terror, remember, Freddy knows best. Okay, and that was the trailer for Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, The Dream Child, uh, directed by Stephen Hopkins. What year was it? I'm going to go with 88? 89. Yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming um, uh, Freddy's Dead was like 90 or 91. 91. Yeah, certainly fucking looked it. Um, But yeah, we'll we'll get to Freddy's Dead. Uh, So yeah, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5. Alice from the the Dream Master uh, is in it again in the the titles. I assume she's having sex with her boyfriend, Dan, even though it just looks like a load of flesh. Boobs and ass. Yeah, yeah, kind of. That was about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, he gets her pregnant, and uh, Freddy turns up, basically as, like, an early warning pregnancy kit, and says, <laughs> uh, you know, it says, right, you're pregnant, and it turns out she's pregnant, and then people start dying, and she has to figure out, well, why the hell are people... You know, why the hell are people dying? 
Freddy shouldn't be here and why are people dying apparently while they're awake as well, which is the big mm-hmm. thing here. People are dying while they're awake. Um, but the film goes into that. Uh, right, yo, then, Mark, you weren't particularly looking forward to these two. So uh, let's start off with, with you. Uh, you've you've seen this before. Uh, what did you think on rewatch? Uh, I not seen um, like my Elm Street uh, 5 Dream Child in isolation probably since the early 90s because often when I watch it it's part of a marathon of watching you know the, the, the full thing all the way through so usually I'm you know by that point I might have a little bit of Freddy fatigue um, I, I enjoyed it more than I expected to actually on this watch um, it's it's the first one so far of the film's which feels um, starts to feel more disconnected from the rest of the series, like it's very much like it, it's not really it, it's the makers aren't on exactly the same path as the previous filmmakers have been on. Like they've got a different idea of who Freddy is. Um, you know, the fact that he says bitch after everything has become a bit of a catchphrase. Mm. And it, it it also it feels a little bit more slight in comparison to the others. Um, but I enjoyed it more than I was expecting to enjoy it. I didn't have the utter feeling of dread like I was going into it. Um, but being honest, it, it, it just gets a little bit... It, it's good for the first maybe... 40 minutes and it, it, it is quite interesting it builds up a good idea about the whole you know the, the, the reason why um, these dream why things are happening when people are awake is because Freddy's getting into the you know the fetus's dreams all that's very good but then it just gets a little bit wrong yeah I mean this is this is one where I mean like the dream master like we were talking about it last week how like, the logic didn't really make sense. But in this one, they're basically chucking it completely out the window and they just don't oh, yeah. care anymore. It, 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 it literally is, um, Freddy can attack whenever. Yeah, and I mean, like, there is a reason in terms of, like, the the kids' dreams, but then it does get into, well, okay, if the kid's dreaming, how is Freddy jumping from the dream to the real world then and also how is he how is he getting to people that the baby would not have yeah, contact yeah. on how, how's the kid actually dreaming of uh, yeah yeah exactly. it's yeah it, that, that's prop. that's very 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 problematic um, and also I mean like the general thing of well what is Freddy actually trying to do then I mean wouldn't it I don't know wouldn't it make more sense to just kind of like strike at the kid as opposed to everyone else around and then like once he's in the kid's body and he's born then that's about it then that's game over surely um yeah it, it's and also i mean like the ending as well the whole kind of like freddy is inside alice thing is i comes out it, make, it makes no sense if it comes out of nowhere yeah like uh, what um how that what yeah <laughs> yeah like how, how does that make any sense whatsoever and i mean also i mean like the the I'm talking about continuity in an Elm Street film, but I mean, like, the whole kind of thing of Alice, the the thing we were talking about last week about her kind of inheriting everybody else's characteristics is just completely, uh, completely dropped. 
Yeah. You know, and, it, sorry, and, and she still keeps on. She's just an arsehole. Cause she keeps. She she actually explains. Yeah. She calls all of her friends yeah. in <laughs> to explain what's going on, and then says, you know, it's terrible because now I'll bring all you people in it. It's like no, if you just don't tell them about him, then they can't get. He can't get to them. It, you're, you're essentially killing these people. Yeah, exactly the same as the last people. film. It's almost like a human dream shield yeah. to stop you from getting killed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it, that, I mean, it's yeah, it's brutal. But I mean, you know, some of the dream sequences are are still pretty solid, though. I'm not. I wasn't massively into the Greta one. Um, like, I mean, like the the, the parents. No, that was. The, uh, the parents are just becoming broader and broader. I mean, like Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, like. The, 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 I mean, like John Saxon, I actually think he's all right in his appearances in both films, and I, I, I think his character is actually decent. But with this one, the, 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 the parents are just ridiculous, uh, and I mean, like they're, they're barely in it. But I mean, the, the whole kind of the, the eating thing—it's—it's. It's, I mean, like that mother is acting as if she could be in a dream in any scene, even when she's not. She's that over. It's a bit too playing for laughs, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think the entire movie, a lot of the time, is a little bit too much playing for laughs. And it, it's that it's that whole Evil Dead thing uh, again, where it's gone so far. I mean, the Evil Dead series did it in a very clever way, whereas this is doing it in a more, you know, in a less clever way. Where this this movie is so far removed from the you know, the proper horror of the first one, that this is almost, could be classed as a comedy horror, almost. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly getting that way. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Freddy's Dead later on, but, I mean, it's, there's a world of difference. I mean, like people say about, uh, like, Freddy getting, like, funnier and campier as the films go on, but I was, you know, looking back on these now, I was kind of surprised by the jump between five and six because yeah. in, in this, it, it's he's still coming out with these quips, but it's everything else around it isn't comedy. Mm. You know, um, it, it, and I mean, like it is still like kids being slaughtered, and you know, and I, I don't know. I mean, like I, I think the, the the kids here, I mean, uh, Yvonne, it doesn't help that she's terrible yeah she's a bitch who doesn't believe anyone for like 90 percent of her of her scenes you know and, and like she's and like the, the the acting's not good but i thought the mark guy was actually okay yeah um, he, he, he's quite good his his dream bit where he becomes the comic book that he's writing is a little bit like that that's a little bit like when on street three how did he know he could do that yeah, no, to- yeah, totally, absolutely. Um, uh, but even then again, I mean, I like the aha esque sequences where he's kind of like being drawn into yeah. the comic. I mean, th- those those are cool. Um, and I mean, like the, I don't know, the whole kind of like trying try, trying to appeal to a a younger demographic thing. I mean, like with the comedy and also the what's cool. You know, I, I just imagine the meeting. Like, what's cool these days? What's cool? Kids really like skateboarding. Can we get a yeah. scene where Freddy yeah. skateboards for no reason whatsoever? It, it, it is very much one of those things where you've got a group of guys, um, a group of sort of wealthy, 
late 40s, probably early 50s guys trying to write cool kids. It, yeah. It, it, it is a bit like that, where everything's a bit like, oh, someone's going to rap in a minute, aren't they? And then it's like, for the end credits, like, yeah, yeah, there it is. Oh, that's There's brutal. Rapping. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And you know there is there is well kids they're like they're like comic books and graffiti and skateboarding and and the rappy music. Yeah, yeah, you do imagine they they would call it the rappy music, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and I, I I meant to mention this last week as well, but I think it's interesting that the first three films are and Robert England as, and then the four, five, and six are Robert England in. Yeah, yeah. and I mean it's it just very much that he is the star of the show, but then. They do give a like they do give a good amount of time to the to, to the the victims as well. Um, Freddie Freddie's not in it as I mean he's in it more and more in each film, but he's not in it as much as I thought he was going to be. You know, no, he, he, he's not he's not an omnipresent within this. It's still he he he's, you know although he's in it more than he has been. It, it, it's still as a He's still a background character, yeah. as to say. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, he's a foreground background character. Sure, and I mean, I, and I mean, I, I do think Lisa Wilcox is actually is actually all right. Um, I think she's yeah. better in this than she is in Part Four, um, and I, I think she is quite an endearing character. And by by the end, again, even though the way they kill Freddie is fucking lame as shit, um, it. Yeah, you do. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just the position I'm in at the moment, but I was just like, yeah, get your baby back, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it gets a little bit kind of, I don't know, a little bit overblown in that bit where you've got the baby glowing and the mute, the big operatic music. Yeah, like, that's fair. Oh, come on. Yeah, sure, sure. No, you're absolutely. You're the fifth Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Get over yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, that's a, fair, that's a fair point. But I, I don't know. I mean, it, I, I was surprised, I, I, again, like Dreammaster, I was surprised that I didn't hate it. I don't think it's good. And I'd say it is probably the first one where I'd say, yeah, shit. Yeah. But I, I didn't hate it, but I, I will, um, I will admit it's not a very good film. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd go two out of five, which I'd still, two out of five. and that's still not as low as I thought it would be. That's that's the thing. I mean, like uh, part four, I think I was two and a half. I was kind of, I was already expecting by that point I'd be like more like one point five, and I was expecting this one to be a one, frankly. So yeah, I, mean, it, I, I was surprised at how into it I was for the first. 40 minutes based on the fact that I was I was dreading re-watching this but I was like for the first time I was like actually do you know what I, I think I, I've given this a rough ride and then for the next 50 minutes it's like no no I haven't and then looking back I thought right well you know I was interested enough for the first sort of first half of it and then it was the second half where it just went a little bit like ah uh, do you know what I just want you to end it Sure. Yeah. No. I mean, I, 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 yeah. It outstays its welcome, and it's barely ninety minutes long. But I mean, it's the dream sequences is still alright. The Freddy makeup's decent. I mean, it's still got a budget behind it, which is great. And you know, for for all the bits it doesn't get wrong, I think there are. I, I, I mean, yeah, it does get wrong. I think there are bits that it doesn't. So I, I mean, it, it, well, maybe not because I'd say definitely shit, but not as shit as shit as as I thought it would be. Yeah. 
Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd echo that. It's shit, but it's, it, it's not as shit as I remember it being. Yeah, so um, there, there we go. Um, surprising on uh, part five. We'll see how Freddy's dead goes later on. Okay, so uh, let's uh, get into some one old, one new then. So, uh, Mark, what you got to start us off this week? I'll, I'm going to fire uh, my one old that you... Um, but first, I'm just going to say, uh, I got through a screener copy of uh, a film that we're going to be doing a commentary of very soon. Oh, uh, motherfucker, you got a screener of that? Streets of Fire, yeah. Oh, how is it? Beautiful. Yeah? Uh, it looks great. Um Get you know kept a decent amount of grain in it, but it looks wonderful. But it sounds incredible. Is it five point one? Yes. Oh shit it off. And it, it, it it's the the musically it, the music sounds incredible on it. Um, I also uh, watched a documentary on there. Uh, there's a um, oh, the eighty minute documentary. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, fuck. Absolutely brilliant. Michael Pare's bits are incredible. I mean, this a lot of hell talk about any film. He's always brilliant because he's so open and honest, and he's such. He just comes across as being a really, a, a really fascinating guy. Like you could quite easily, if you met him in a bar and you went, "Oh fuck, man, I really love X film of his," he would happily sit there and talk to you about how it was made and everything like that. And he, he seems to be very, you know, for the for the career he's had, he seems very down to earth and very egoless, and he's he's very happy to point out the the flaws in the film, but also he doesn't really. He never seems to get the fact that a lot of his films have this real kind of cult following. And it, it, it doesn't really seem to resonate with him. So he talks about it in a strange way. But Michael Parry seems very much, you know, like like that was it. That was that was the peak of his career. And he's never done anything that he's as proud of since. And there's a few moments in his interview where he gets, he gets quite emotional. Oh, yeah, really? There's a particular moment where... He talks about a particular part of the movie, and he actually, he kind of has to sort of catch himself, and he starts kind of tearing up a little bit. And it, 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 it very much, he speaks about it with such, such a fondness throughout it. Um, and it, 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 he, he says, and he's genuinely gutted that um, the, 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 the two planned sequels never got made. Mm. and very much kind of says, you know, Walter, whoever it is, whoever needs to make the decision, you know, both me and Diane Lane, we're both still in great shape. Come on, let's do it. Yeah. And it, it, it's a really fun documentary to watch. Um, so, you know, an absolute must. Uh, really looking forward to talking more of that. Um, but, yeah, so that, that was that. I've You know, I've watched the film twice since I've got that. Nice. <laughs> I only got it Thursday. Fucking hell, Thursday. <laughs> I don't watch it Friday night. Uh, but the documentary's brilliant. Um, very good. But you'll, there'll be a review of that uh, on To Watch Power in a couple of weeks. Very nice. Uh, but the, the film that I, I watched for my one old, it's actually the only one old I watched. Um, but, um, so it'll probably be, if you're watch tomorrow, I've probably still been talking about this. Uh, it's a film from 1995. Uh, it's a film Just Cause. Have you ever seen this? No. Um, just randomly didn't know what to watch on Wednesday night uh, and clicking through the DVDs and Blu-rays and uh, Beck said try to watch in Just Cause I was like yeah actually I do um, plot of Just Cause you've got Sean Connery um, plays a ex 
um, defence attorney who's now a professor of law at Harvard University, and he's very liberal. He does uh, written books and does talks about how uh, anti-capital punishment he is. Um, he's not practised law for some 30 years, and then um, he has a case brought to him uh, by Ruby D. Um, who is the uh, mother of Blair Underwood, who plays Bobby O. Ferguson, who is... Solid uh, name, fucking hell. I know. Uh, who is on death row for um, a murder of a little uh, young uh, white girl. Um, he claims that he's innocent and that his um, confession was beaten out of him by... Um, and you use threat by the local black-hating detective Tanny Brown, played by Lawrence Fishburne. Another solid name. Yep. Um, you've got Lawrence Fishburne in full fucking, you know, I'm going to be scary as fuck, Lawrence Fishburne. Um, Sean Connery initially says uh, that he's not going to take on the case, um, but then... Um, Strangely, his wife, who also used to be a defence attorney, um, played by Kate Capshaw, convinces him that he really should do it. Um, and so he goes off to, you know, to, to look into it and says that, he, you know, that maybe he'll have a look into it. Um, you've got Lawrence Fishburne says that he'll, he'll help out, but that Bobby L. Ferguson is guilty. Bobby and he knows his... Sorry, just that, that's uh, Bobby. It's, a... it's like he's Irish, though. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby O. It's a great name. Oh, it gets better. There's a better one <laughs> coming up. No, there's not. Um, oh, there is. Um, so he starts looking into it. Um, and Bobby L. Ferguson <laughs> says that the reason why he knows he's innocent and he can prove he's innocent is because... There's another inmate on death row in the same prison called Blair Sullivan, played by Ed Harris. That, that's not as good as Bobby O. Ferguson. I'm sorry, it's not. It's probably not. No, it's not actually. Bobby O. Ferguson is an incredible name, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it actually told uh, Bobby L. Ferguson, which I'm going to say his full name every time now, that it, it, he was the one who um, committed this. Um, Ed Harris is in full fucking, you know, Sam Beckett jumping from fucking one to another mode where he's in proper crazy Ed Harris mode where he's this manic serial killer um, who writes letters to the victims' families um, explaining, you know, why he killed them and how much he enjoyed killing them. And he quotes Bible verses and he wants Sean Connery you know, he keeps coming up with these puzzles that Connery's character's got to solve in able to, for him to find these bits that'll get Bobby O. Ferguson off. Um, it is one of those where all the twists you see coming a mile off, but it's, you know, it's a lot of fun to go along for the ride with. Um, you've got Lawrence Fishburne, where you're not quite sure whether or not he's a complete bastard or whether or not he's a bastard that happens to be on the right side of the law, he just goes about it in the wrong way. Um, and again, it, it very much is similar to Escape Plan. It, it is a solid, you know, couple of hours entertainment. You know, it's it's smart enough that 
it doesn't tie itself in knots like said, the escape plan, but it's also easy enough to follow. But you've got great performances from Blair Underwood. Ed Harris is just fucking tears everything up whenever he's in it. Um, you know, it's Lawrence Fishburne pre um Morpheus when he you know, before he was Morpheus when he was still threatening and, you know, built and he had that stature, whereas since Morpheus he's now just a little bit fat and always looks tired. Mm. He 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 looks like he's a cheesecake away from diabetes nowadays. <laughs> whereas this, you know, he still had that you know, in a few years, you know, he'd, he'd done, and I, I, I quite a lot of, I, I used to be a bit of a you know, Lawrence Fishburne fanboy. Um, you know, we, around this sort of time, you're talking about, he'd done sort of, like, King of New York and Boys in the Hood and Deep Cover. You know, he played Ike Turner in What's Love Got to Do With It, you know, Higher Learning and this, you know, and he was just, he was bouncing and he was on a roll. Um, and then, you know, like we say, he just got a bit fat. And, you know, now he, he crops up in things like Man of Steel and Predators and Armoured and things like that. And they're just, they're not as punchy as what he used to do. He's pretty good uh, in Hannibal, though. At least uh, the bits of Hannibal I've seen. He's actually, he's actually not bad. Yeah, I mean, he, he's starting to lose a bit of weight, which is which is which maybe is is stopping him from being so tired, which stops him from going. Oh, I don't really want to do anything. Mm. Want to sleep? But yeah, it, it, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it's one of those where if it crops up on Netflix UK, it might even be on Netflix UK to be honest. And you're thinking, do you know what? I need to, just to watch in bed um, on a Tuesday night or whatever. It, you know, it, it'll pass the time nicely. Nice. And it, 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 honestly, it's worth it for one scene where Lawrence Fishburne strangles Sean Connery um, with a seatbelt and he's just laughing at him whilst drinking something that's like a, a weird... I think it's iced tea. Out of Instead of, like out of a glass, he's drinking out of a jar. Nice. And he's just like strangling him with by just pulling on his seatbelt while laughing and screaming at him and Ed Harris in every scene he's in <laughs> it's just wonderful yeah, that sounds alright it is, it's great <laughs> I had a lot of fun, I had a lot of fun with it oh dear nice um, oh sorry, yeah no sorry I'm, I, I, I'm done, there's, there's not much else I can, I can go through on that Coolio. All right, no worries. Well, um, I'll get into my uh, into my one new, and uh, I'm just actually going to look up the details first. So uh, it's playing on VOD in the US now. Um, played, I think, Sundance or South by Southwest, maybe, and it got um, a fair bit of controversy. A film called Escape from Tomorrow. Um, uh, yeah, I've got this to watch. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. So this is uh, written and directed <laughs> by uh, Randy Moore, and. Uh, Basically, um, stars a gentleman called Roy Abrison as uh, Jim, a uh, father of a uh, family uh, who are having their last day at Disney World. Um, starts the film uh, finding out that he's lost his job, and he then um, goes to uh, Disney World uh, uh, with with his par- uh, with his uh, family, and um, thing things are afoot. Um, there are these uh, French girls who 
He's following uh, around, um, much to his wife, Emily, played by Ellen Schuber, uh, her chagrin. Um, he's seeing weird things all over the place. Uh, and like, it, like, he's on rides and like faces turn into evil faces laughing at him and stuff like that. And generally he's going a bit mad. Um, the film's had a fair bit of um, controversy in the US because it um, was filmed at Disney World um, entirely without the Disney Corporation's knowledge. Um, so it was kind of filmed on... I, I, I listened to an interview with uh, Randy Moore on um, uh, the, the podcast KCRW's The Business, um, which is kind of like a film industry podcast. Uh, well, it's a radio show in the US. Um, and he apparently used uh, Canon uh, uh, D5s, I think they are, which basically look like really advanced stills cameras. Um, mm. So he was kind of able to get away with it then. But they like they they had a cinematographer. They um, you know, and I mean like they shot inside rides. Like there's this um, one ride at Disney World, um, Soarin', which is. Um, it's kind of like a 360 thing as if you're soaring through the air and like literally they've got a guy shooting it like side on with like all the the, mo- the the motion graphics in view and stuff as well. And there is a fair bit of how the fuck did they actually get away with that to it. Um, there's also a fair bit of stuff where they, they obviously didn't film it at Disney World and they've kind of composited stuff in uh, as well. And uh, those shots are jarring. Um, you may notice that I'm talking about the circumstances behind making the film as opposed to the film itself, because there's barely anything to say about the film itself. Uh, the cinematography is all right. Uh, there's a couple of chuckles in there at some points, but narratively, it's an abortion. Um can, can I just point out that I, I did an interview with Randy Moore where he compared... <laughs> himself uh, and the film well, the film to being um, inspired by uh, Polanski and Lynch and said that he was that kind of director and spoke about himself as if he was within that kind of bracket it's surface level it's is it, yeah is it, is it one of those where because it's slightly weird or anything like that he'll call it Lynchian Essentially, yes. Uh, I mean, it's... The thing is, it would have been more interesting if it was a guy getting stressed by his family and losing his job and just losing the plot a bit. Like a falling down-esque kind of situation Mm. as opposed to what this is. Because as the film goes on, it gets a bit sci-fi and then it... And and also a little bit... um, a little bit kind of viral horror, um, but for no real reason whatsoever. Um, there's there's a moment where the lead character is taken somewhere that feels like, and, and it, for like five minutes, it feels like another film is just interrupted. It feels like that bit in Gremlins Two where the Gremlins like stop the film and <laughs> put something else on instead. Um, I, I mean, it's it, I mean, it really is that jarring. And I, the thing is, what you just said there, I'm not surprised, because it feels like the director's saying, 
this is going to weird people out. This is, you know, this is going to unsettle them, all this random stuff going on. But with Lynch, it feels like there's a higher purpose. With Polanski, there definitely is. I mean, you look at a film like The Tenant, and I mean, the thing is, The Tenant, there is an argument that it's all, that it's all in his head. I mean, there are hints that it might not be, but there is an argument that it's, it's all in his head, and it's a weird kind of, or, or it's a weird cyclical thing. With this, it's just, I'm going to do random shit because that will impress people. I mean, the question I've got about this film is, would anyone give a shit no. if it wasn't shot when it was shot? No. 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 It, no. Wouldn't, it wouldn't get it wouldn't get a release anywhere. Because for, for a, a micro-budget film, it, it still costs, like, well over half a million dollars, doesn't it? Did it? I, I don't know. I mean, it's... Yeah, I, think, I think the actual budget's just over half a million dollars. Which, you know, it's not a lot of money. But from what I've seen from clips, I've not seen the film, obviously, but from clips of it, I thought, shit, you know, people have made more interesting, better-looking things for less money. The, the hook of this film seems to be where it was shot. Yeah, I mean, that, that's... I mean, if you're, if you're telling me that they, we could have had a few... A field in England's equals one escape from tomorrow, that's incredibly damning to me. Um, I, I just, it's, I mean, the thing is, I mean, like, even the poster, which is like a provocative image of Mickey Mouse's glove with blood all over it, with a tagline, bad things happen everywhere, which is actually a, a line said in the film. Um, there's not, I mean, there's nothing like, there's no subversive element about Mickey Mouse or, or Donald Duck or anything like that. It's a suburban husband is a dickhead to his family, and he gets punished for it. That's it. But it has not, other than it being set at Disney World, it has nothing to do with Disney World. No, no, not or, really. No, anyway. I mean, it's it's not even really playing with how the iconography could drive someone nuts. Because as as it turns out, there is a reason behind. I mean, it's slight spoilers, but yeah, I. I don't waste your time watching it. There, you know, there's, I mean, there, there is something else going on other than him just being driven mad by, like, It's a Small World After All being played again and again and again. It would have been more interesting if it was him being driven mad by that stuff. It would have been more provocative if it was a statement about how, you know, Disney World can drive people to to despair, you know, and how the incessant happiness. I mean, there's more worth to the Simpsons episode, Itchy and Scratchy Land, that was made 20 years ago, that, which is an amazing episode. Then, I mean, there's more satire, there's there's more intellect, there's more, I mean, there's, there's more comedy, there's more everything in a 22-minute episode of The Simpsons than there is in this 90-minute film. It's, I mean, it's rubbish. It's really, it really is rubbish. It is, for me, yeah, it is probably one of the worst films I've seen of the year so far. And it's annoying because it is the only reason why the film's getting any coverage and the only reason why I watched it was because of the, this got shot at Disney and how the fuck did that happen? But the yeah. film itself, there's nothing to it. And, and like, the, the, the general reaction seems to be pretty fucking mixed and i'm glad of it good it's it, i mean it, it's 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 very it's it's very bad um i mean oh christ i'm just looking at an imdb review here the 
the last 30 minutes are truly like a strange, insane David Lynch movie or something oh, of that measure. And it's pure weirdness. This movie is something that everyone should watch. It's risky in nearly every way, and I'm glad to see that Disney didn't sue them. I, yeah. I, it just, yeah, it is, it's like a David Lynch movie in that there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of incongruous, creepy images set Ma- to Disney World music. Been a massive, a massive Lynch fan. Whenever someone always compares stuff to, like, says, oh, it's like, it's like a Lynch film. My response to that always is, which Lynch film? Yeah, there, there is that as well. Well, like, like Lynch films. Which one? His films are, are, are actually incredibly different. Which Lynch film? And then if they go, well, you know, like, obviously, they, but that, they, they have no connecting matters other than they are directed by David Lynch. So to say it's like a Lynch film is like, he's basically saying, oh, it's a bit weird. Well, loads of people's films are a bit fucking weird. He's not the master of weird. He makes, Lynch makes a film where he has an idea and he sets out and he goes out on that path. To him, it's not weird. And that, it's the same thing as, as, as what Jordan said in his thing about should we retire the phrase Malikian? Uh, yeah. Lynchian should be retired because people use it. it, it it's like the it's like when anything strange has happened, it either gets described as being Lynchian or a bit like Donnie Darko. It's like uh, fucking hell, seriously. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm even having a look at Rotten Tomatoes now, and like, you got someone saying you feel like you want to support the sheer guts it took to make this film, even if you wish it could have been better. And it's like, no, I don't support no. the guts it took to make the film because. Just because somebody can do something doesn't necessarily mean they should. Yeah, I mean, like, it, 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 it's basically someone has gone to Disney World and shot this, and holy fuck, they shot this at Disney World, but they've made this shit film. And yeah. no matter where a film is shot, if there's enough, if, 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 if there's, I don't know, yeah, or I, it's, the thing is, it's a footnote. It's a film that will be remembered because of those circumstances. But you, if you ask anyone, do you remember anything about it? Fuck no. I mean, I, here we go. A.O. Scott, New York Times. Actually, this is very good. None of it is as scary or as funny as it should be. And what starts out as a sly thumb in the eye of corporate power ends up as a muddled and amateurish homage to David Lynch. That, yeah, straight up. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, no, I didn't say it better myself. It's, cool. it's, it's, it's I, 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 I will I will be deleting off my hard drive. No, I mean like sir, I'd I'd kind of be interested in I'd be kind of interested in your view, but it, it's like I don't want you to waste your time. It, 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 all right, I'll, I'll keep it there, and if I ever have like a time where I go, Do you know what, I've got eighty minutes to kill. Fuck it. Yeah, I just actually, I mean, it's like an hour and forty minutes long as well. So I mean, it's, is it? Yeah. Jeez. So I, it just it. Yeah, I I'd like, I'd, I would love to hear what other people have to think about it though, because like if if there's a if there's something I'm missing, cool. But it 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 feels slightly Emperor's New Clothes to me. Uh, even though, then again, I say that it's it's rotten on the uh, tomatoes meter, fifty nine percent. So cool. Yeah. Anyway, uh, your one uh, one new. One new. One. No, you just, no, you're one old, is it? I want new. I want new. Because you're one new. Yeah, take one for the team. Yeah, okay, what take the fuck is this? the team. You saw Grown Ups 2, didn't you? Yes. Oh, my God. 
Right, right. Let's just have a quick recap. Right. Now, Grown Ups. What is Grown Ups, the first film, about? I remember people, Ian hates Grown Ups. But can you give me a quick kind of outlet of the plot of Grown Ups? Uh, a bunch of pe- a bunch of old high school friends get together for a weekend away, and they get into adventures. Right, and um, Grown Ups is a hundred and two minutes, and it cost eighty million dollars, and that is about what happens, isn't it? It, it is literally is a group of uh, old high school friends uh, who are from different walks of life get together and. Hijinks happen. They eat some KFC. There's a bucket of KFC, and I always wanted to know where they got their KFC from because they seem to be in the middle of the woods. Yep, right. And that that is that. So, would you say that the that the plot of Grown Ups is slight? Y- y- yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Grown Ups two is. 101 minutes long. It is one minute shorter. A saving grace. Right? It costs the same amount of money and it, it has grossed a, a lot of money. It grossed virtually the same amount as grown-ups. Uh, a little bit less, but still way too much money. There is no plot. At all. At all. Right? The plot is Adam Sandler's character has moved back to their hometown. He's regressed. But that, but that's that that has already happened. That the it, the plot isn't him moving back to his own hometown. He's been back there for seemingly ten months, right? That's it. That that honestly, and I, I I I went into this thinking, right, I'm going to watch it because I want to see if it, you know what it's like, and I went into it very objectionably. To see if it was, to see what was what what else they could do with it, where else they could go with these paper thin characters, and nothing happens at all. The, the seemingly the build up is it's the last day of school, right? They're not at school. They're not for a start off. Yes, they're not at school. It's also not a passing of the torch movie from the adults to the kids. There isn't going to be a grown-up three where it's more based around the children. The children are a little bit more than they were in the first one, but that's just, they're just more irritating. But what actually what happens? And this isn't a plot, and it cannot count as a plot. What actually happens is it's the last day of school, and um, Adam Sandler is he's now a stay-at-home dad, and he's moved back. And so he's regressed even more. Not only has he moved back to his hometown, but he's given up work to hang yeah, out with it, his kids. It, it, yeah, it, basically he's decided to do that because he's made all this money being a big shot Hollywood agent, right? Um, and he ends up riding the bus, no, no, taking up the school bus because the uh, driver of the school bus, played by Nick Swanson, uh, who seems to be another one of Adam Sandler's pet projects, um has taken too many drugs and can't drive the bus anymore, right? So Adam Sandler's character decides he's going to drive the bus. Do you remember um, Chris Rock's... I, I kind of want you to stop talking, Mark. Well, I, I, I'm going to get to... I'm building up to, to, to nothing, I'm going to be honest. Okay. Chris Rock's character, do you remember he was a stay-at-home dad? 
and the uh, sure, his wife Kyle sure Rudolph had um, had a good job, and she was the breadwinner. She's now a stay-at-home mum, and he works for the cable company fixing cable. Right. Except he doesn't ever fix cable. What does he do? Nothing. What? He has one job. He has one job to do that one day, and he doesn't even do it. And it's at the mother's house. Um, Kevin James has got even fatter. Yeah, sure. He owns an auto body shop, which he's never at, because he's just hanging out with Adam Sandler and Chris Rock. Yeah. David Spade has got another kid that he didn't know about, but this time it's a boy who's supposed to be 15 years old, but looks about 35 and he's covered in tattoos, who hates him. Right? Okay. And they spend their entire time just driving around in the school bus. Are you serious? I, I, I honestly, and at one point, they say that they should, that, that, that Adam Sandler should throw, um, that Kevin James said he'd like to throw uh, an end of term party, start of the summer party, but his house is too small. So Adam Sandler should throw it. So his wife decides, Sam Hyatt decides that she's going to throw this party. Right? So in the end, there's been this big party at Adam Sandler's house. Honestly, that is it. And and at some point, um, they end up falling out with some frat boys. That is it. Do you know what the main joke in the film is? The main joke in the film is that um, Kevin James' character uh, does what's called a burp snart, right? Where he burps, sneezes, and farts all in one movement. Right? And all of them think this is hilarious. And he does it several, several times throughout the film, and that is all of the funny bits. Also, there's a deer which I think is actually an elk, um, urinates on people because it's scared. Um, that's it. The, the, honestly, honestly, I it, three people wrote this movie. You could have written it on a post-it note. It, it. I swear to God, nothing happens. Who drives and, the bus? Just Adam Sandler just drives the bus. And Adam Sandler, the side, so. yeah, just drives the bus. And Nick does, he get, does he get the school's permission? No. Nick Swardson just does, just, just basically acts zany and uh, and uh, and uh, and that's all he does. So no, no, no. I, right, let's go back to the bus. So, like, does he drop the kids off at school? Yeah. And then just what, like, picks everybody else up? Yeah. And then they just drive round. Yeah. And. Shaquille O'Neal and one of the other guys who always appears in Adam Sandler movies. They're kind of selling off. it to me though, just in a. Honestly, I want honestly, to. I want to see if it's as fucking ridiculous as you're making it sound. Honestly, it is. Is I I expected it to be. I expected it to be shit. I didn't expect it to be this pointless. It literally sounds like they've like. You say this about. I mean, we say about this about films every now and then, but this genuinely sounds like they made it up as they went along. Like they just well, they, they drove past they, the school bus and then thought, "I know." There cannot be a script for this. Yeah, there cannot be a script. Um, 
when you've got a film where the most charismatic character in it is Taylor Lautner... You're in trouble. You're in trouble. And honestly, he is. There is a moment where um, they're going they're, where you've got Maya Rudolph, Mario Bello, and Salma Hayek are going to a yoga class. And John Lovitz turns up and gets them to jump up and down and bend over. And you can clearly tell that he's not the yoga teacher that he's pretending to be. Oh, no, he's John Lovitz. He's John Lovitz. Um, and that scene happens. Honestly, that scene happens where John Lovett says, right, you should all jump up and down. You've got to push your chest forward and just shake. Right, now turn around and bend over and touch your toes. Mmm, touch your toes. Does he and really say that? Honestly, oh, I swear to God he says that. It, I, 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 do you know what? I watched this to take a hit for the team. Because I knew you didn't watch it. And, you know, like you just said about the, um, Before Tomorrow film. Yeah. And, and so honestly, I'm, I'm half tempted to say, honestly, watch this, because nothing happens, and it can't just be me that was watching this going, nothing I've, I've actually heard there's there, no plot, but there, not there, to there that aren't degree. Even, there aren't even any jokes, and the jokes that are in it are clearly ones that, that, the, the, the lead guys find amusing, but nobody else does. It is, it's baffling how, how this movie, A, got made, B, they thought that there was enough there to make it, and C, it actually got a fair amount of marketing thrown behind it, because it is so utterly pointless. And it, it is worrying that there is a possibility of a third movie. I, the thing is, basically, the how this got made was Sandler phoned up the studio executive and said, Grown Ups 2? Studio executive, executive said, yeah, what's the budget? What was the first one? 80 million. Yeah, that. Yeah. And it is like they turned up, all turned up and went, where should we film it? Well, we all live quite close to each other. Why don't we just film it around there? Yeah, that sounds cool. Right. Well, should, should, should we work out what's going to happen? Well, we'll, 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 we'll just, we'll write a brief outline. There's going to be a big party at my house. I mean, there we go. I'm taking a look at it here. Like, grown-ups... And Grown Ups 2, in terms of, like, worldwide gross, to take out the US, there's only about half a million dollars difference between the two totals. It's almost like the the exact same people, apart from the ones who died, went to see Grown Ups 2. I absolutely think it was the same people who went to see it. And it's the sort of people who go to see every Adam Sandler and every Kevin James movie. And honestly, Kevin James is fat. He looks like he looks like he ate Kevin James from the previous movie. Mm. It. I, I would be interested, interested just to just to hear what you think about this movie because just to no, I, uh, no I, I will never watch it, Mark. I, I know you. I, I know you won't. But uh, if one day you go, do you know what? No. I feel like torturing myself. Why? Uh, it, it's it's. It, it's not only is it crap, it's 
utterly I think the only only way I would ever watch Grown Ups 2 is if I, like, drink, drive, killed someone, and I feel like I need to punish myself to that level. Exactly. That that is exactly it. Honestly, it is... It is fucking baffling how anybody involved in this movie thought that that was good enough. And that is based on who is in this movie. I think you're a fucking idiot for watching it, Mark. I am a fucking idiot for watching it. Salma Hayek has fallen so far. she, she, She right now is just laying on her back, just flailing her arms and legs about, and she's never going to be able to get up from this. An utterly, not not just a terrible movie, an utterly pointless movie where the people who are making it think the funniest part of the movie is Kevin James burping, sneezing, farting all at the same time. Yeah. That's it. Terrible. What 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 is your one old? Alright, my one old, um, and I, I would just like to say as well, I don't drink and drive, I don't, con- well obviously I don't condone it because it would mean I'd have to watch Grown Ups too. Um, so, my one old would be, well, I mean, yeah, I suppose it is old, even though it's a slightly different edit. Um, the Wicker Man, the final cuts. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'll, I, 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 I I'd assume most, if not all, people who listen to Dude and the Monkey have seen The Wicker Man, and uh, I, I won't be too long on this, because, uh, I don't know, um, Grown Ups 2 um, sucked the fucking life out of me, but... Uh, <laughs> um, Don't let it. Don't, it really is not worth it. <laughs> no, I just... I, uh, I, I don't know. Adam Sandler riding around in a bus, I just... It, Honestly, it's not even... No, like let's, happened. let's just stop it. Yeah. Let's just stop it. Um... Yeah, so the the final cut of the Wicker Man, uh, very very nice uh, steel book. Even though the steel book loses some of the content of the free disc edition that's actually out there in a non steel book, so you have to make your choice there. I went for the steel book because I like my steel books, and it was a bit cheaper than the free disc, which was weird again. Pardon me. Um, and yeah, it's the final cut, which is a. It's basically the medium-length version between the three versions that we now have. We have the the original theatrical version, which was the uh, cut-down, it's only about 80 minutes long version that was used as a supporting B picture to the run of Don't Look Now. Uh, Don't Look Now and The Wicker Man. What a fucking double bill that would have been. Um, like, seriously, man, like, you... You finish Don't Look Now and then you go into The Wicker Man. Like, I mean, like, with two of the darkest fucking endings to films, like, ever, frankly. And they are quite good companion pieces, actually. Yeah, yeah, though they are. Like, uh, a man kind of, like, driven to his own destruction by his... Uh, his own misjudged sense of what what it is around him. Yeah, I mean, it's very much like that. Um, and, yeah, it's... Um, it still retains all its power, frankly. It's... Um, it's, it, I mean, and, and what's good about the final cut version as well is that they do trim some of the fat, like the um, the opening of the the, the the director's cut, which was the other version, which is uh, which runs about I think 100 minutes long, and this one's about 93 minutes. Cuts an awful lot out of the pre-credit stuff, 
Um, so all right. literally all you get pre-credits is this weird sun god graphic at the start and the end of the film, which is odd. Uh, but then literally the him on the mainland stuff is just him in church singing. So there's the, none of his interactions with like the other copper or anything like that. It's just literally the singing and then he's off. It, it's not him getting the letter or, or anything, which is it's a bit more polished. Then. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more to the point, which is, which is good. Cause um, you know, you, you learn everything through his interactions with the, uh, with the townspeople anyway, he's there because he's, he's been told that a girl is missing, you know, and that's, that's really all you need to know. You don't need to see him get, get the message and somebody take the piss out of him for being, uh, officious, you know, it, so that's good. Um, but it does, um, contain a, an extra moment, um, that I, in particular, uh, the scene after, the, the morning after Willow tries to seduce him, she actually comes in with, like, a drink for him and says, like, you know, I was, you know, I was there, I was waiting for you last night, and he just says, you know, oh, well, you know, I'm engaged, you know, I, I don't believe, you know, that's, you know, I mean, it's, and that's not my thing, you know, and then she says, oh, well, I, I, I think the word for that would be gallants, you know, and it, it's kind of the, the kind of insinuation that, that, you know, Willow is maybe not just all about the sacrifice, even though, I, I, you know, it's just a little bit of deeper character there. But, I mean, it's um, I mean, it's a wonderful film. The Blu-ray looks great. I mean, the, the footage from the director's, uh, director's cut and the added stuff for the final cut is not as good quality. I mean, it's an appreciable drop in quality. And I've been warned by, about that. One of my... Um, colleagues went to see the final cut in this in in the cinema the week before i um saw it on blu-ray and he said yeah the quality of it actually does take a dive and, and, and that is a shame but it's the, the the rest of the material was fantastic like i don't think you'll ever see the wicker man looking better than this like it it, it, it maybe will get a 4k restoration one day but i, I you know i it kind of feels like this might be the end of the line um because yeah. just because of like you know how much money is there, like the amount that it will cost to do a 4K versus how, like, potential profits. I just don't think those sums will add up anymore. You know, um, I, I, I think that the excuse for the final cut to come out it was uh, a reason enough for them to restore it, and then that's probably it. Um, yeah, it, 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 you know, the only only the reason to restore it would be, if, you know, just for prestige. Yeah, 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 exactly. It would be like the company actually paying the money and knowing they're not going to get it back. Whereas, yeah. you know, having an excuse to kind of reissue it on Blu-ray for, for this and, you know, release it in the cinemas. And, I mean, it's great because it is a genuinely amazing horror film. It's, um, it's incredibly creepy to, uh, towards the end. Uh, the, the atmosphere in it is very well done. And I mean, Woodward is, um, it is incredible. I, I love, I love that he is fussy, uh, 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 like a fuddy-duddy, but you do still, you know, he is still in it for the right reasons, you know, you, and, and I mean, like, the end is truly tragic. And, like, that moment at the end where, like, he's singing and then he stops and then it's almost as if he kind of clocks, fuck, what if there is nothing else left? You know, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's very well done. And at the end, the end, I mean, the end shot's an absolute marvel. And Christopher Lee as well, his, his kind of, like, toying with, uh, with him and his kind of, like, gentle taking the piss out of him. Yeah, um, 
like, there's a moment where Howie says, you know, they're dancing naked. And Christopher Lee's like, like, well, of course, you know, they don't, they're not going to jump, jump over a ring of fire with clothes on. You know, it, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's marvelous stuff. So, I mean, it's, it, it's the Wicker Man, you know, but I mean, it, 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 it looks fantastic. It sounds good. And I mean, it's still great. And, uh, next week I will probably talk in my one old or one new about a film related to this. What could it be? Oh. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's it for our one old one new. Cool. Um, yeah, so, uh, let's, um, let's get into the next bit of the Night Marathon on Elm Street series. Here's the trailer for Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, and then let's get into it. As a boy, he was always different. No one understood him. You ready for it, boy? It's time to take your medicine. Thank you, sir. No one could control him. Go inside, honey. But now, it's a new beginning. The beginning of the end for Freddy. Every town has an Elm Street. It's your mind you'll go for. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little soul, too. We have to hit him with everything we've got. Now I'm playing with power. We're in Twin Peaks here. It's gotta be me and him. You wanna live? Maggie, what's up? What's with kids today, huh? Freddy's dead. The final nightmare. Great graphics. They saved the best for last. Okay, are you ready to keep going? Yeah, I'm good to go. Cool. Um, okay, and that was a clip from Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, 1991 film directed by Rachel Talale, uh, who had been involved in pretty much every single Nightmare on Elm Street film, if not every single one. Um, uh, I mean, she was like, and it seemed like she kind of went up the ranks as well. Um, hmm. I'm trying to uh, see what she did. Because, yeah, okay, Freddie's Dad was her debut feature. She, yeah, here we go. She was a producer on on Elm Street 4, and she was a line producer on Elm Street 3. And so did she not do anything on 5? She was a production manager on two and an assistant production manager on the first. Um, so that's weird. She was in. She was involved in every single one, but then she got a thanks in Nine Round Elm Street: The Dream Child. Yeah, that's she, she, weird. She was assistant production manager on the first, wasn't she? 
Yeah, no, I was just saying, yeah. I mean, literally, she was she was involved in every single one apart from five. Yeah, which she just gets thanks on. Yeah, and, and she directed two episodes of the Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer, Randall and Hopkirk, Deceased. And she also did direct Tank Girl. Which I've never seen, actually. Ah, uh, Tank Girl is an absolutely terrible film, and I absolutely love it. She's done an awful lot of TV, though. Fair play to her. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, honestly, Tank Girl is ridiculous. Tank Girl contains iced tea as a rat man. Sounds good. Yeah, it is. Sounds pretty solid. But um, anyway, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, she was part of the, the furniture of um, Elm Street, and she was um, given the uh, reins to um, direct Freddy's Final Nightmare. Well, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Um, uh, there was a screenplay originally written by um, Peter Jackson, which got um, which got tossed to the curb, and instead we, uh, we, we have this. Uh, so the story is... Um, Springwood is a shell of its former place, and there is a character actually only called John Doe in this, uh, played by Sean Greenblatt, uh, who finds himself getting picked up and taken to a youth shelter, uh, where his doctor Maggie, uh, played by Lisa Zane, takes him back to Springwood, uh, along with a load of kids who, um, hide in the van, and notably Brecken Meyer in his first uh, theatrical role, apparently. Yep. Uh, they go back to Springwood, they find that Springwood is not as it once was, and uh, Freddy is about, but he has a bit of a secret motive for what exactly is going on. Um, yeah. Uh, Mark, this. It's... Well, straight away, the fact that it's not called A Nightmare on Elm Street 6, Freddy's Dead, it, you know, it, the film is called Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Uh, it very much sets itself apart from the other films, and I think it was, you know, the intention was that this was going to be, like, the last one. Um, it's... It, it is very early 90s. Um, it almost feels like it's a different film, it just happens to have Freddy Krueger in it. Um, it, it's Like we said about, about um, number five, where it, it's trying to be cool, this again is trying to be cool. It, it pulls out a ridiculous element of backstory into Freddy Krueger that we've never had before, where he had a daughter. Um, and shoehorns that in, so hasn't been mentioned in the previous five movies but now is all of a sudden there um, you've got some quite frankly strange uh, cameos in it from like Roseanne Barr and Tom Arnold um, and Alice Cooper turns up as Freddy Krueger's um, you know guardian uh, it's just a little bit strange and the story again like it can like it seems to be as the films have gone on, they've made less and less sense. Uh, and this one just doesn't make any sense at all. And it ends up just being so incredibly boring and very much like a parody of um, a Freddy Krueger movie. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the key word, isn't it, really? Boring. I mean, it, it, the thing is, I, it started off actually quite fun I thought at least like initially where it just feels like they're going all out with the mm. with the dreams this time you know the um the Wizard of Oz stuff you know yeah. uh, um 
and I mean, like Brian May's score, which does have uh, does have echoes of Road Warrior in it. I thought actually, um, uh, weirdly, um, but yeah, I, it, it's it, it it is going kind of balls out. But then as soon as it's he's kind of dumped on the side of the road, and then there's the shelter and. It gets into that stuff and like the fact that Springwood doesn't look like anything connected to the other films in in the slightest. Um, I mean, also also the fact that I mean, like this is completely disconnected. I mean, like one, three, four, five actually have some sort of through line. Um, you know, yeah. I, I mean, like you know, a character, characters from three turn up in four, characters from four turn up in five. You know, whereas this, it is. A bunch of randoms, and it almost feels like an uh, like an alternate universe or something. Um, yeah, it, it, it doesn't feel like you say connected. Which which is bizarre, considering you know Robert Shea produced all of them. R- Rachel T- uh, Talalay it, it was in, it is involved in so many of them as well, and yet they've gone in such a random direction. I mean, in that kind of way, it reminds me of Jason Go- Goes to Hell. In as yeah. much as you know, Sean, Sean S. Cunningham it was involved on a producer level in that for the first time since like the first Friday the Thirteenth, and yet all the other Friday the Thirteenth feel more like a Friday the Thirteenth than, than than Jason Goes to Hell. I mean, it's um, it, it's it's bizarre, and it also suffers from the fact that the I mean, I will say. The one dream sequence I actually thought was kind of interesting was the, uh, at least for the moment, was when the guy lost his hearing and it was just, you know, his heartbeat and like occasional steps and things like that. I stylistically, I thought, oh, that's quite cool. They're doing something different there. That Um, was interesting with the exception of the, um, of the Freddy element of it with like him doing like, the big tiptoeing behind yeah. and like almost like it, it just felt too much like they were this quite atmospheric thing and then it was being ruined by the titular character. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, that that bit was uh, irksome for me. But then, like the fight, my, my, the final kind of what the fuck kind of moment was Freddy with his feet up on the desk with a joystick in his hand. It just and the fact that. The, the 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 other two come into the dream, and it, it like Freddy's just sat there playing a game, and it's just like what the fuck? Yeah. It it just I I I don't know. I mean like the the video game thing. I mean like in in a way I suppose like the um the 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 puppet the the puppet moment in Elm Street three. It kind of or like the the comic booky stuff in Elm Street five. It, it kind of had elements of that to it i suppose but it just yeah you know you've got that you, you've got the image of him in the 2d game which is kind of interesting but then it's cutting to brecken meyer doing those motions in real life as such and he's bouncing around all over the place it just but it, but what he's, he's bouncing in real life it's still got the soundtrack is still as if it was in a game yeah so you still got this boing 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 and then i'll just kind of like, they're watching him and it, it is it, it's it's a very scary movie. It may, yeah, it may as well be. It, it, it just it feels so fucking weirdly different from the other ones. Mm. And I mean, I, I mean, like, yes, they got more comedy, but this is such 
a, di- a different reach. I mean, even in terms of like the, I mean, it's very, very early 90s, um, like you say. But I mean, like, just in terms of like the cinematography suddenly feels way more TV. Yeah. You, you, you know, I, the, the performances feel more TV, frankly. It, it just, it's the first, it's the first one where I don't even get that much enjoyment out of the production value. No, I mean, it, it, the, the, it, the, there's more CG in this. All the very early versions of CG. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it, it proved that, you know, now CG, you know, I still love practical effects, but I see the relevance of CG when it's used well is very good. Um, this was back in the day before CG had got better than practical effects. And I still think it is better, but studios think it's better. But it's, it look, this looks at points like shit. And the shoehorning of 3D into it is just, when you're not watching it in 3D, it's terrible. Yeah, I mean... They're, like, they're plunging stuff out at the screen at you, and you're like going, right, but I'm not watching it in 3D, so you... I mean, fucking hell. Oh, yeah, the cops are supposed to come pick this stuff up. What, like a baseball bat with nails in it? Yeah, that, really? a, yeah, that moment was hilarious. And I mean, like, they don't even do all that much stuff with that stuff. And uh, I mean, and again, the, the actual killing of Freddy is so yeah. lame. It's and so the, lame. There's not very many good killings of Freddy, though, is there? No, but I mean, it's just like... You know, the whole, I, I, I haven't seen the trailers for this, but I imagine the whole thing was, Freddy Krueger's gonna die in this one, I bet you can't wait to see how he dies. And it's just what, they shotgun him in the head. The, the, the trailer for this, um, actually makes it seem like it's going to be almost an origin story of Freddy, and they kill him off. Like, it's gonna, it's gonna go full circle with the, um, with the character. Yeah, I, I just, it, I, I, I that'd be interesting. I, I, I'd be intrigued to see what that, that trailer is. But I, it just, I mean, the, the backstory stuff, I mean, I will say, it's nice to see Robert Englund get a fair bit of face time without the makeup on. That just feels nice for Robert Englund. Yeah. You know, because until now, I mean, like, in, in Nightmare 5, you, you see him on camera for about two seconds. He's like that inmate in the insane asylum right at the start. Mm. You, you, you just see him kind of looking at um, Lisa. It's a, it's a brief flashback, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, exactly. And it just, and so I mean, it, that that's nice to see to see Rob England doing that. And I will say, I got a bit of enjoyment out of Freddy Krueger versus Yafat Koto. Yes, that, that well, anyone versus Yafat Koto will always get you a little bit of enjoyment. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that was that that uh, that was fun. You know, I, I just it, just on a pure. It's yeah, exactly that level. It just, I mean, the 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 backstory stuff. It, it's it is again like Jason goes to hell, where they just in, it reinvent completely, and it, it, it you know it's and I mean it's creepier that he is just a shady school a child killer guy. Yeah, I mean that that is that is creepy, and not, not like. He had an idyllic fucking thing, and his wife found the shit in his basement. You know, and, it, and the, the the reason why he was dream is he was given it by these uh, 
13th century dream girl. Oh, that's that. Yeah, I mean that's and the ending cool. where they burst out and they're going, yeah, yeah, and then they just fly off. Yeah, I, I, I just because I, 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 the thing is though, when they flew off, I thought they were going to go into um, Some, yeah, one of the characters, like because I was expecting that because also the ending is incredibly abrupt. It's yeah. like they blow him up. She takes the glasses off. Yafetkoto smiles. She says Freddy's dead, and then yeah. that's it. And then Iggy Pop starts. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 honestly, the most interesting thing I got out of this was I was watching it going, Lisa Zane's very pretty, isn't she? And that was about all I did throughout the entire film because I was just so bored. Yeah, I... Yeah, no, fair enough. I, 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 I don't know. It just... I even though I'll say I, I, I thought Tracy was quite fetching myself, but you know. Well, me, I, I actually have a conversation with Orange Warrior uh, on, on Twitter. We were actually saying that all he could remember about it was the fact they had a crush on both the lead females, and I was saying, yeah, I think I did, I did a crush on uh, Leslie Dean uh, when I was younger, but I, I, I'm, I'm very more towards the Lisa Zane character now. Fair play, fair play. I, I yeah, but I mean, it just I don't know. It, it I. I if I was a fan watching this at the time, I would have been fucking pissed. Yeah, it, it it's it's shit. It's a really shit film. Yeah, it's 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 very 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 bad. It's I mean, yeah, it's very very bad. And I mean, even even his makeup looks bad in this one. It does. It look it looks. It, it, <sighs> I'm glad it's not called a Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm glad it, it, it has differentiated itself from the other films because you know some of the other films aren't great, but this is a this is a one star film. Yeah, yeah, no, this is this is certainly a one star film. And when when people say that part two is the is, is like the worst one of the franchise, you have you seen this one? That that's yeah. all I'd say. I'd say to people, it just. It, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's by far, by a by a margin, the worst one. Yeah, without without, I was, I mean, it is, it's eighty nine minutes, it's under ninety minutes, and I was bored yeah. shitless. I, I yeah, I mean, when it reached the hour mark, I couldn't believe I was only an hour in, and yeah. I haven't I haven't been like that with any of them actually. I've just I, I felt yeah okay, they've actually been paced okay. It's, yeah, it, it's just it's it's a complete misstep. The whole thing. Yeah, and I mean, it just I don't know. I mean, if if you're gonna, I, but again, it, it I mean, it's like Jason goes to hell the final Friday. You know, they they New Line just kind of did this, but they just didn't really seem to give a fuck. And it's the first one where it seems like it was made just to make money. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. no ideas behind it at all. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely fair enough, man. It's it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, that was um, uh, that was that. Um, yeah. Uh, so next, sorry, next week we'll be upon the concluding the uh, night marathon on Elm Street series with Wes Craven's new nightmare which I'm uh, quite looking forward to rewatching, and Samuel Bayer's A Nightmare on Elm Street, which I'm not looking forward to rewatching. 
Uh, yeah, so we'll, um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, let's finish off the show with some Twitter questions. Um, I think we've got, we've got a couple this week anyway. Um, tell me if I miss any, uh, Mark. So, uh, at TGP73, who are the best on-screen partnership in all of film? Han and Chewie. And I'm not just saying that because it's you, Steve. On-screen partnership. Um, in all of cinema, who is the best on-screen partnership? Han and Chewie. I'm gonna. Uh, well, surprisingly, I'm not gonna agree with that. Uh, it would be. Bear with me two seconds, because I can't remember the characters' names. That's how good they are. Han and Chewie. I'm gonna just keep saying that just to ban me for more time. Uh, they will be. Han and Chewie. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> uh, Jack Burton and Wang Chi in uh, Big Trouble in Little China. It's not a bad choice. My one's yep. right, though. Han and Chewie. My one is obviously wrong. Han <laughs> and Chewie. Uh, at Mondo, Dan, what's your favourite ever movie opening credit sequence? Um, Lost in Translation. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty solid. Um, is, that, is, that, is that just... Uh, it's just a, yeah, it's just uh, Scarlett Johansson's arse. Scarlett Johansson uh, actually plays the daughter in Just Cause. Really? A little Scarlett Johansson, mini Scarlett Johansson. Nice. Um, um, either in terms of credits, it'd be a toss of a coin between End the Void and oh, Mad Max 2. What, like the whole kind of prologue bit and then uh, yeah. kind of like the going into the widescreen? Yeah, that's a bad, yeah. that's a, not a bad shout, that. I, I fucking, I love that, that opening to Mad Max. Um, I'd go Halloween, um, because it's fucking iconic. Um, Skull Pilgrim versus the World, because the song's great and in all the credits, there are little kind of like pictorial effects that relate to the, the, the person it's referring to on screen, which I think is quite a fun touch. I really, really like this credits for Scott Pilgrim. Um, Do you know what I really don't like that yeah. everyone else seems to fucking adore? Go on. Catch me if you can. Oh, well, I think that's all right. Yeah, I went to that at the cinema on my own. Um, it took me about ten minutes into the film to get over how much, for some reason, I hated those opening credits. <laughs> nice. That's what you're going, oh, fuck off. Uh, fucking end. And get in the fucking film. I don't know why, but it really wound me up. Um, nice. Watchmen. Oh, Watchmen, yes, a wonderful opening credits, yeah. Uh, Fight Club. Um, yes. Because that's, that, that's just quite a statement of intent, I think. Yeah. Um,. Yeah, I think that's probably enough, actually, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, yeah I've watched with a good car. Yeah, good shout. Nice. Um, okie dokie, at Very Cinematic, uh, Tom asks, someone tried to hit Michael Bay with an air conditioning unit this week. Be honest, did you laugh a bit? Yes, because the visual image of anyone trying to hit someone with an air conditioning unit, I think, is quite funny. I mean, it, it just happens to be Michael Bay. I just, I think that image is funny. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, because I imagine that Michael Bay would have thought it would have been funnier if the air conditioning unit had blown up. That's true. Yeah, um, that, that's a funny story, that, isn't it? That Michael Bay caught, pissed somebody off so much that they tried to attack him with an air conditioning unit. I, like, Michael Bay is a special kind of asshole, isn't he? I love the way that in the statement he actually gives a little bit of product placement to Nike, saying that if it wasn't for the fact that this guy was wearing Nike Air Max shoes, like... He would, his toes would have been broken or something. That's fucking hilarious. It's just... It, 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 the thing is, is Michael Bay hasn't done... Because there are certain filmmakers out there who there are reasons why people have an issue with them. Where, you know, you know Brett Ratner, people have issues with him because of his weird, I fucked, blah... And then it turns out he actually didn't, yeah. which makes him sound a bit weird. Yeah. Polanski, you know, people have a genuine reason to dislike Polanski. Yeah. And it's not a fun reason, it's an actual reason. It's not a fun reason. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But with Michael Bay, it, there's just... He's not done anything horrible, really. You know, he, he doesn't come across as being a particularly loathsome person. He's just, he, he he just seems to become an enemy of cinema because he makes movies for one reason only, to make money. Yeah. That's it. He doesn't care if they're entertaining, he just wants them to make money. And it's a little bit like, you know, he's, if you turned him a not one way, and I'm not comparing him as a filmmaker, but his intentions as a filmmaker, if you turn him a notch one way, he'd be very close to Spielberg. You know, Spielberg, you know, he has more of a craft and he's an incredible filmmaker, but he always has a commercial element to his films. And he, you know, every film he makes, whether or not, with the exception of a couple, are always, you know, that one of their main focuses is to be productive for the studio and that's what Bay does mm. but it's just it, he somewhere along the lines has been convinced that as long as this movie makes a shitload of money it's justifiable and that's his great evil yeah no that's the uh, that's that's the, I don't know the, the Michael Bay thing is something we could get into but it just I think the man is what it is I think he very he doesn't try and hide what he is, and I, I have more respect. I certainly have more respect for him after Pain and Gain, but yeah. well, I don't know. We'll, I have more respect for him after that photo that you showed me of him, that promotional photo. I fucking love that photo. Transformers, <laughs> the Fast Transformers movie. It's a wonderful photo. It is just Michael Bay knows exactly who Michael Bay is, yeah. and he's under no illusions at all who he is. That photo, that photo still makes me laugh just thinking about it. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, so, yeah, on that note, um, have we got any more? I, I can't see any. Uh, no, I don't think we do, no. Okie dokie, cool. So, that was it for this week's Dude and a Monkey. Uh, coming out in cinemas next week, we've got a bit of a choice, I suppose. Uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2, Revenge of the Leftovers. Um, we've got Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa. Uh, and we've got Ender's Game. So, uh, Mark, what do you think we're reviewing next week? I'd like to do Cloudy. It's fine by me. I, I, I think Cloudy because, one thing, I will definitely go to see Cloudy. 
Uh, and two, we are both, I think, very, very big fans of the first one. I fucking love the first one. Yeah. And um, from from speaking to people who've, who've actually seen the second one, they've said that it very much just picks up where the first one left off, and it's just it, it rolls with the punches for the laughs. It's just it's very punchy with laugh after laugh, and I'm I'm very interested in seeing it. That's fine by me. That's Whereas absolutely fine by me. Day, I just play don't care. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's timings. It's it's my third choice for this week, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, okay, cool. So we'll be back next week with a review a review of Cloudy with a chance of Me Balls Two: Revenge of the Leftovers. Uh, we'll also have the last part of the night uh, the night marathon on Elm Street series, as well as the usual stuff as well. Dude the Monkey at Gmail dot com at Ian Loring at Dude Foz at Dude and a Monkey. Mark, anything else, or are we out? Uh, one last thing is if you are listening to this and you live in my hometown of York then please remember that it is the ruckus at the Duchess York Dead Meets event next Sunday where we are showing Halloween and Monster Squad from 5pm boom that's a fucking solid evening damn it uh, there will be fancy dress there it will be a quiz, there's prizes, there's hot dogs, there's pumpkin soup, there's toffee apples, and a whole host of the shit going on. Sounds like a fucking ace time, that. So there you go, guys. Check that out if you're in the York area. And uh, that will about do it. I'm going to go and watch the results for Strictly Come Dancing, and uh, Mark's going to probably not. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm going to go and sit uh, and stare at my Blu-ray collection until grown-ups three of Brian's. Sweet. That's it, guys. We'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye. Cheers.